0: Book Three, Chapter Five of Saint Francis of Assisi, a Biography by Johannes Jornson, translated by Thomas O'Connor Sloan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Three God Singer, Chapter Five, Cardinal Ugoline. Hugo, or Ugoline, Count of Anagni, was, when Francis first knew him, a man of nearly seventy years and of awe-inspiring and engaging appearance he possessed all the highest polish of the day had studied in bologna and paris and was also characterized by an upright piety his two principal interests were the freedom of the church and the promotion of the cloister life in eleven eighty eight he had with danger of his life Defended the cause of the church against the usurper Markwald, and he stood in close and permanent relations with the Camaldolites, the monks of Cluny, the congregation of St. Flor, for whom he built two new convents, and also later with the Franciscans and the Dominicans. In his native land, Anagni, he founded a poorhouse with church annexed thereto, and in October 1216, gave it over to the hospital brothers from alto paccio in tuscany in eleven ninety eight he was papal chaplain as well as cardinal deacon with the titular church of st eustatio in may twelve o six he was nominated to the bishopric of ostia and the highest position in the church next to the pope it was not necessary to possess the power of a seer to see in him the coming pope as it is said francis did also as gregory the ninth Ugolino continued to be a true friend and benefactor of the religious orders among other things he founded with his own means a franciscan convent in viterbo and a convent for the poor Clares in rome san cosmiato in lombardy too and in tuscany several convents owe their existence to him to this man it fell as his biographer puts it to find the order of the friars minor in insecurity and formless and to give it form as already told the first acquaintance between francis and Ugolino dates from the summer of 1216 when the papal court was established in perugia no closer relations were for the present established next year on may the fourteenth twelve seventeen francis held his usual pentecost chapter at Portiuncula. he had made his appearance only with grave apprehensions on his way thither he had opened his heart to a friend when i now come to the chapter said he the brothers ask me to preach as usual and accordingly i do so but what if all the brothers when i am ready to begin start to cry out against me. We do not want thee to rule over us any longer, for thou art not eloquent, as would become thee, and as thou oughtest to be. And thou art too small and simple, and we are ashamed to have so simple and poor looking a superior over us. And therefore thou shalt no longer be called our supreme head. And then they will cast me out with great scorn anxious before the many accomplished book learned people who now had come into the brotherhood francis began to preach in his usual simple way and a wonder happened no one called out against him on the contrary all the brothers were greatly edified and filled with peace and francis took courage and came out with his great plan that now when the brothers were so many they ought to go out on missions not only in italy but also to countries on the other side of the mountains to germany to hungary to france and spain yes even to the holy land this proposal was received with favor and they started to divide not only italy but also the rest of the world into mission districts provinces the holy land was a province in itself and over it a man was placed for whom Francis had a great liking elias bombaroni for himself he chose to go to france because there more than in all other catholic countries they have the devotion to our lord's body on leaving he held one of his usual sermons of admonition in which he counseled the brothers to go about in much silence and inward prayer just as if you were in a hermitage or a cell for wherever we go or stay we have with us a cell Brother body is our cell and the soul sits in it like a hermit and thinks of god and prays to him in the fioretti this journey of francis to france is described with many additions what is absolutely definite is that francis in the latter half of may twelve seventeen came to florence and there sought cardinal Ugoline, thomas of cheleno is undoubtedly right when he says that the acquaintance between francis and Ugoline was as yet not intimate they had each heard the other praised for goodness and piety and were thus prepared in advance to enter into closer friendship Ugoline was sent by honorius the third as papal legate to tuscany with the double task of establishing peace between the perpetually contending republics and to preach a crusade as soon as francis on his arrival at florence found out that the cardinal was there he sought him out simply on the principle he followed of always seeking quarters with the clergy rather than with lay people. the cardinal received him with great cordiality And a conversation began in which Francis lightened his burdened heart as he had done in former days to Bishop Guido in Assisi. The end was that Francis cast himself at the feet of the reverend prelate and conjured him to take up his and his brother's affairs. This Ugoline promised with pleasure, and Francis from now on looked on him as his spiritual father to whom he showed filial reverence. And obedience the first effect of this new relation was that francis abandoned his journey to france brother francis said i do not want you to go over the alps for there are many prelates in the curia at rome who do not feel well disposed towards you but i and the other cardinals who feel well towards you can help and protect you better if you do not go too far away In vain did Francis plead that he could not send his brothers on missionary journeys to foreign dangerous lands while he stayed home and saved his own skin. The cardinal was immovable, and Francis had, instead of going himself to France, to send there the verse king, Brother Pacificus, along with many other brothers. What now first of all attracted Ugoline and his organizing spirit at work was the movement which the preaching of the friars minor started in the world of women. Francis had taken care of Clara and her sisters by procuring for them the convent of San Damiano. He had promised to look after them, both in the spiritual and temporal sense, as long as he lived. But this promise could not be extended to include all those who now came and asked for the brothers to guide them to salvation the form of vivendi or rule of life which francis had given clara and her sisters simply told them to live after the gospel that is to say in poverty labor and prayer after having distributed their possessions to the poor the sisters in san damiano could not again accept any property either themselves or by an intermediary the only exception was the convent itself with so much land around it as was required for its isolation but this land was not to be cultivated except as a garden for the needs of the sisters this privilege of poverty was what claire apparently by francis's intervention in twelve fifteen had had ratified by innocent the this was all the rule there was for claire and her sisters and this rule applied this we must note well only to san damiano for the simple reason that francis had never thought of the possibility of more convents of the same kind now when there was talk of how to dispose of the many young women who gathered together in all the towns and wished to live a religious life ugeline was entirely free in the course of the years twelve seventeen through twelve nineteen we find him therefore busy in establishing the Order, which has since come to be called the Clares, but which in the documents of the time is called by the most varying names. Of the highest importance to the understanding of the evolution of the Order of the Clares is a letter of August twenty-seventh, 1218, from Honorius III to Ugeline. It is an answer to a letter from the Cardinal in which he had informed the pope that several maidens and other women wished to flee from the pomps and vanities of the world and to prepare for themselves abiding places where they could live without owning anything with the exception of these houses and the chapel or church appertaining thereto several pieces of land had been offered to Ugoline for this object and now he asked for full authority to accept these pieces of land in the name of the church of rome so that the convents built thereon would be out of the jurisdiction of the local bishop and directly subject to rome honorius granted this authority in his answer no other churchly or temporal authority should have anything to say about these convents and this position of exemption should continue as long as the sisters affected by it should abide by their vow of poverty, even before Ugoline had received this letter, Bishop John of perugia july thirty first twelve eighteen had given his permission for the erection of a convent for nuns of the above description upon Monteluce by Perugia in exchange for his renunciation of his jurisdiction over the convent he exacted only a tribute of a pound of wax to be given every fifteenth of august at about the same time Ugolino took steps for the establishment of three exactly similar convents one in siena outside of porta camolia one in lucca st maria in Gattajola and finally one in monticelli near florence at first the only requirement for the religious life in these convents was poverty it was the franciscan preaching and the franciscan life which had drawn these women out of the world and into the convent when the problem was to establish a proper rule for the order for these new convents the obvious thing for Ugoline to do was to consult the lateran council of twelve fifteen and its interdiction of new orders this great assemblage of the church taking into consideration the so frequently proposed new orders and the resulting confusion determined that for the future no new rules of an order should be approved by the church but that those who wished to found a new convent or establish a new order should be instructed to accept one of the old and tested rules one of the first to whom this regulation applied was saint dominic according to john of saxony the dominicans as well as the friars minor were definitely accepted by the lateran council but neither of them obtained papal sanction of their rule dominic was even told to go home again and talk over with his brothers as to which of the rules already in existence they would decide to choose they chose the Premonstratensian rule and honorius ratified this choice when he explicitly defined the dominicans as a canonical order after the rule of st augustine exactly in the same way ugeline had proceeded in the case of the nuns of st Clair. as dominic chose the Premonstratensian rule for himself and his associates, Cardinal Ugolin now chose for the Franciscan sisters the oldest and most respected of all the rules of orders of the West, the rule of the Benedictines. What Francis expressly stood by as an inevitable basic principle that the evangelical poverty must not be impaired, Ugolin adhered to accurately not once could the sisters acquire ownership of the ground on which the convents were built they belonged to Ugoline in the name of the church in exactly the same spirit francis had not wished to own Portiuncula, but continued to regard the land as belonging to the benedictines and to pay them a yearly rent for it the outlines of the rule of life of the Clares was in accordance with that of st benedict they were not bound literally to this rule as innocent the fourth expressly declared at a later period they were only in general obliged to lead a life based on obedience poverty and chastity to this were added many rigid rules of cloister the cloister could be entered by no stranger and the active care of the sick which according to jacques de vitry the sisters were to have practiced must now in every case cease. It is certainly Francis who wished the rigid cloistering for preventing the meeting of his brothers and the nuns. ugoline is said nevertheless to have wept from sympathy when he, with Francis, wrote down this requirement. After Francis' death, he modified several of the most rigid of the observances. After 1219, the Clares lived after the rule of St. Benedict, but with the addition of the so called observances of Saint Damien. In these last it is permitted to see with some degree of confidence the form of Evendi which Francis in his time had given Clara, and which now was put into the second position, but was by no means inoperative. The core of these observances, observancier, was presumably the privilegium of poverty, which Clara after the custom of the time tried to have confirmed on the accession of each new pope as long as francis lived there was no complete new rule given to the sisters in san damiano or to the community of poor clares in general it was only after the death of francis that gregory the ninth tried to introduce modifications first of all in the regulation of poverty On account of the unfavorable times it might be well to own a little land on which the convent could be firmly founded instead of depending entirely on begging these views of his he also brought to the attention of clara but was definitely refused on september seventeenth twelve twenty eight clara obtained from gregory as she had from his predecessor the privilege of poverty the Clares in Perugia had their privilege renewed June 16th, 1229, and Clara's sister Agnes obtained the same for her convent of Monticelli near Florence. Other convents were less constant, however. Many of them in this very year had the right of ownership granted by Gregory, and not only the right of usufruct, but of inheritance and owning this defection filled clara with anxiety and sorrow as long as she lived san damiano would remain the fortified tower of supreme poverty but how was it to be when she was gone thence came her ardor for replacing the benedictine rule and its proportion of the privilege of poverty with a completely new real franciscan rule of the order there can be no doubt that she herself wrote it and that it was the one which innocent the fourth ratified two days before her death this rule is as far as possible modeled on the franciscan rule like it it is divided into twelve chapters each of them not greatly differing from Ugoline's and francis's rule of 1219 but the point on which clara's rule is based is in the very first place the obligation of poverty as she came to this section she ceased to be the impersonal lawgiver and began to speak from her heart after the heavenly father she writes had enlightened my heart with his grace and had led me in the model of our most holy father francis on the way of penance shortly after his own conversion then i and my sisters promised him willing obedience and as she turned her thoughts to these times now so remote when she first said good-bye to the world one recollection after another pressed upon her she remembered so many words that came from the mouth of the dear teacher and guide addressed to the honor of his lady the noble lady poverty and wrote them down and with strong hands she impressed the sentence in which the ideal claim appears on record in all its rigour beyond all appeal the sisters shall own neither house nor convent nor anything but as strangers and pilgrims shall wander through this world serving the lord in poverty and humility under these words As Clara was closing her eyes in death, Innocence set the inviolable seal of Rome. End of Book 3, Chapter 5